Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, January 7th, 2022. There are two kinds of people listening to this podcast today in early January. There are the type of people that your Christmas decor is boxed up, it is put away, and it maybe has been for a while now. And then there's the other kind of people that you've still got your Christmas decorations up. Your lights are still on the house. You might even have a Christmas tree up. Uh, You've got red and green everywhere. You have not taken it down yet. Well, whatever you have done, I hope you are in the Christmas spirit this morning because we will be reading about the birth of Jesus Christ in our reading today. For our New Testament portion, we're reading Matthew 1, 18 through 25, and Luke 2, 1 through 20. So two different books uh, this morning, uh, but really very different accounts covering the birth of Jesus Christ. And I want us just to see some things to rejoice in, and some things, even though we might be a little late, to still celebrate the reality of Christmas together. Now, Matthew's account kind of starts by telling us Joseph's angle on these things. The last few days, we've been going through Luke, and we saw the angel Gabriel come and announce the birth of the Messiah to Mary, and we've talked about what an awkward spot that put Mary in. Well, Matthew invites us to think about what an awkward spot that put her betrothed, uh, Joseph, in. It says in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. That matches up perfectly with what we've read in Luke. Now, verse 19 gives us just some new information. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So he sees all this and he is going to quietly divorce her because she's with child and he knows it's it ain't my child. And so on a human level, his actions actually make a lot of sense. Verse 20 says, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And I want that to be kind of the first thing that we just stop and camp on this morning as we celebrate Christmas, so to speak, together in our reading today. This son was to be named Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. And as we often do, I want to invite you today to take that personally. Jesus came to save you from your sins. Think about that for a moment. Just one, reflecting on the reality that you need a Savior. Do you see your sins as that big of a deal? both in the penalty that your sins deserve, but also the sense of the power that your sins have over you. 
And hopefully you feel a little bit of that weight, but in the celebration of Christmas in our reading today, you feel the relief of having that weight lifted off of you because you have a Savior. And I love how that's right up front in Matthew's gospel. We're not even out of chapter one yet. And he's made clear what's at the heart of Jesus's mission, saving people from sins, right? That is a crystal clear part of the mission of Jesus Christ. He didn't just come to be a nice guy. He didn't just show us how to be a little better. He came to save us from our sins. And let's rejoice in that. And then there's more to rejoice in as it goes on in verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we've all sing the songs, um, including that word Emmanuel at Christmas time. Let's never forget what it means, God with us. And that is something that we can celebrate today, that God is with us. And now it doesn't look the same for us. We don't have the incarnate Christ walking around planet earth, but this is the ultimate sign to show that God is with us. Now we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. God is still with us, but God has for all time shown that he is with his people through the sending of Jesus Christ into this world through the incarnation. So can you rejoice today that your sins, you've been saved from your sins? Can you rejoice today that you can know that God is with us? These are good things. We'll also see more as we flip over to Luke. And again, uh, the very traditional Christmas story that we see here, often read in churches on Christmas. And I love just reflecting on what the angel says when he shows up to the shepherds. In verse 10, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Right? The announcement of the birth of Christ to these shepherds, and he describes it as good news of great joy. If we really believe that, there's reason to rejoice in the incarnation, not just on December 25th, but on whatever day of the year it is, we want to rejoice that we have a Savior, that Christ the Lord was born, and we benefit from that. We can be saved from our sins. He is Emmanuel. We can rejoice in this good news of great joy. And then what is the song that the angels sing? Uh, as the whole multitude of heavenly hosts join in, it starts with those words, glory to God in the highest. And if you sing at Christmas time, the words Gloria in excelsis Deo, this is what you're saying. You're saying it in Latin, which is pretty fancy of you. Um, but what you're saying is glory to God in the highest. And that should be our response, even though it's not Christmas, although some of you have your Christmas decorations up, that should still be the response of our hearts today. When we realize we've been saved from our sins, when we realize God is with us, when we celebrate this good news of great joy, we should be saying, God, glory to you. Glory to you in the highest. You are a great God. You have done great things, and I am celebrating you. And I think we do get a couple good examples in the reading today when you consider Joseph, when he had resolved what to do, but he changed his resolution because of the word of God. 
that God told him to do something uncomfortable, something scary, but he did it. That's a good example for us as God's word is going to call us to do that sometimes. And also, I love the example of Mary as she responds. I mean, put yourself in Mary's shoes and all of a sudden these shepherds are coming to see this child uh, that has been born to you. And how does she respond? Verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Uh, That's another great example for us to do as we see God and really not just in our lives, but even as we go through the Bible together. As we see God's goodness, as we see the great things that he has done, let's treasure up all of these things and ponder them in our hearts. Another good example as we celebrate Christmas, so to speak, from our New Testament reading today. Now we go to the Old Testament where we're working our way through the book of Job. And now uh, Job, we're looking at chapters 8 and 10 today, and it's another cycle in this bad council. It's almost like watching a bad daytime television talk show, right, where you're just like, what are these people saying? And today, the contestant is Bildad. He comes up and speaks to Job, and we're going to see his words and Job's response, but Bildad seems to be saying something very similar to what we saw Eliphaz say yesterday. He's basically saying, Job, you must have done something wrong. And you can see what he says, and starting in verse 2, how long will you say these things, and the words of your mouth be a great wind? First of all, is that great comfort? Hey, person who's experiencing suffering beyond whatever I've experienced or can imagine, why are you, you know, making such a great wind with your mouth? Probably not the best way to comfort somebody in sorrow and suffering. Then he says, does God pervert justice or does the almighty pervert the right? If your children have sinned against him, he has delivered them into the hand of their transgression. Again, just how shocking, right? He has 10 children and they all just died and it's, well, they must have sinned and God's done what's right. Oh, like not great counsel. And then he says, if you will seek God and plead with the Almighty for mercy, if you are pure and upright, surely then he, God, will rouse himself for you and restore your rightful habitation, right? Basically, Job, if you do the right thing, if you're pure and upright, God will restore you. Well, guess what? God's already told us that he thinks Job is pure and upright. So Bildad is not saying really things that are sensitive, things that are caring, but worst He is not saying things that are true. He is, again, they're actually kind of agreeing with Satan, saying, yeah, it's only worth it to follow God if he blesses you. And if you do follow God, he will bless you. They're kind of going actually along with this worldly satanic wisdom and basically saying, if you please God, everything will go well with you. And again, that is not what the Bible says. And I think a lot of people still think that's what Christians believe. And they still think that's what the Bible says when right here, we're a few days into our reading, we're clearly seeing, no, the Bible never says we will have no suffering in this life. And it doesn't say if you, well, if you follow God, you will have no suffering. No, suffering is unavoidable. And hopefully we're getting some of that from the book of Job. Now, As Job replies, you again see his grief. To some extent, he says, hey, truly, I know that it's so, but how can a man be in the right before God? And he's got a point there that, uh, you know, how can somebody truly be in the right before God? Nobody is perfect. And if we're really comparing ourselves to God, how can we actually do that? But he 
holds on to his integrity and, and his claim to be blameless as he uh, goes through all of this. But he says something interesting that I noticed one commentator commenting on in verse 33 when he says, there is no arbiter between us who might lay his hand on us both. Um, and that's where, you know, he's like, hey, I wish there could be somebody between me and God kind of making my case for me. And that's where even though we're reading through the Bible in chronological order, and I guess we're not totally doing that because we're going from both the Old and the New Testament, we're not going to act like we don't know the end of the story. And that's where it's helpful for us to read that and even know, hey, if I'm suffering or if I know somebody that does, if we're a believer, we do have an arbiter. We do have a mediator between us and God. We have Jesus Christ the God-man. He is our mediator. He is our savior. He is God with us. So when we are experiencing suffering, we know I have a savior. I have someone that I can rely on. I have to speak this, so to speak, this go-between between me and the father. I have the son and he is with me. So I hope that's a comfort we can take uh, even in this cycle of bad counsel in the book of Job today. But let's celebrate the Savior that we have, that we are saved from our sins, that Emmanuel, God, is with us. Let's even just tell each other today, Merry Christmas. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.